Hey friend, today we're gonna go deep. So I hope you're here for that. So may I start out with a deep question? Are negative core beliefs holding you back from becoming who God called you to be and doing what he called you to do? We've talked a lot on the podcast about how our beliefs steer our results. Hence, the steer belief map you've probably heard me refer to. But sometimes our negative beliefs go deeper than that and require the help of a therapist in order for us to truly change things and move forward. And that, my friend, has a huge ripple effect on your life, health, relationships, and business. Now, I'm no therapist, but thankfully, I have two good friends who are. Tim and Ruth Olson have been married for 14 years and have very full lives raising and homeschooling their five amazing children, as well as running their coaching business. They are followers of Christ and strive to honor him in all they do. As licensed marriage and family therapists, they have counseled many individuals, marriages, and families over the years. However, they are especially passionate about bringing healing to past trauma that is stifling change in growth and negatively affecting relationships. Together, they host Mr. and Mrs. Therapy podcast and recently have launched their brand new coaching program, Coaching with Truth. We are going to have a deep but impactful conversation today about escaping those negative core beliefs. You ready? Let's go deep together. Did you know busy is not just a disordered calendar or to-do list? It's a disordered heart. And a well-ordered life flows from a well-ordered heart that's focused on Him. Welcome to the Redeem Her Time podcast, the go-to place for busy Christian women juggling all the things in midlife and business. From launching kids to aging parents, caring for your needs to serving your clients, investing in relationships to serving in your community. Oh, and keeping up with the laundry, the dishes, and the dirty floors. Honestly, it's a lot to balance. No wonder you feel like you never have enough time. All the time management gurus out there will tell you, you just need to get more organized. And chances are you've tried all the things, the planners, the programs, the all start Monday plans, but they never worked, at least not for very long. That's because those don't get to the heart of your busyness. Here, you'll learn how to build a with God life and business and go from busyness to fruitfulness in this season. And it starts in your heart, not in your calendar. Hey, I'm Lissa, Christian time management expert, priorities protector, and recovering should-do list girl. I've been leading, teaching, and coaching Christian women for over 25 years, and I've been right where you are, controlled by all the shuns, expectations, obligations, and distractions. But then, God showed me how to redeem my time with faith at the center to let who I am and whose I am guide how I use my time. I'm here to share with you how to use his truth along with time management tools to discover you really do have all the time you need for what you're called to. You just need someone to show you the way. Open up your heart and calendar because I'm going to show you how to redeem your time and stop believing there's never enough. Are you ready? Well, hello, everyone. You guys are in for a big treat because something unique is happening on the Redeem Her Time podcast. Not only do we have a guest today on the podcast, but we have two guests today 
I have never had two people um, as guests before, so you guys are my first, um, but I want to introduce you to Tim and Ruth Olson. Uh, we met in a mastermind about a year ago, and the Lord knew that we were going to build a relationship by working on ourselves and working on our businesses inside of this container together. And so we've continued to follow each other's podcasts and to encourage each other and lift each other up. And I am excited because what Tim and Ruth are talking about really ties into a lot of what we talk about here on Redeem for Time. So um, I want you guys first to introduce uh, yourselves. And this, again, will be interesting because there's two of you. So go back and forth. Like you guys do such a great job in doing. Tell us like who you are, right? And who and what is filling your time in this season of your life together? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having us on uh, your podcast. We really appreciate the opportunity to be here. It was so much fun when we had you on our podcast. Um, but we are Tim and Ruth Olson. We are both licensed marriage and family therapists. Uh, we've been married for 14 years. We have five kiddos. And one of the things that we really uh, focus on and we tend to work a lot with clients on is uh, trauma and things that uh, negative beliefs that people have developed that really prevent them from attaining their goals that can uh, keep them from being able to uh, manage their anxiety or feelings of depression, or even being able to just keep their schedule in order and to be able to push forward with those kinds of things. And so that's some of the things that we uh, are really passionate about that, that, that we're very interested in. Um, and then actually, uh, uh, Ruth and I, we actually met each other in our master's program together. And so we were, yeah, so we were in school together and um, my uh, dashing good looks wasn't actually the thing that caught her eye. Uh, I did a presentation in school and uh, that's the thing that she saw and she's like, ooh, who's that guy? Wow. <laughs> oh, okay. The, it is true. The the uh, professor at the time, who was our mentor, actually had to tell him to be quiet because he was doing a group presentation and he just had all the answers and none of the other group members really answered. And um, so the professor, who I respect and I love, he just kindly told Tim, OK, well, maybe have the other. So I just thought his brain, his big, beautiful brain is, <laughs> is what caught me. But I also he is dashingly handsome. <laughs> The brawn and the brain, for those of you who yes, can't see. all of that. <laughs> it goes both ways, right? I love that. I love yeah, that. And just, just to add on, we also have um, a new coaching program, Coaching with Truth. And so that came from, well, obviously we want to always have truth and God's word as the foundation of uh, what we do, but also Coaching with Truth. Our couple name is Tim and Ruth Together is Truth. And very, so, very cute. And so that's just how we kind of came up with that. Um, and what fills our time is, like he said, we have five children ages uh, 10 down to almost two. She's about to turn two in a couple of weeks. And so uh, that definitely fills our time. But it's such a blessing to be parents. Yeah. And you homeschool, right? So like your counselors and you've got five kids and you homeschool. And OK, here's just a really fun, fun fact that they didn't share. But I'm going to offer this up because I just listened to your last two episodes. <laughs> You guys are like escape room artists. Like <laughs> we're having this conversation before we hit record. I legit have never set foot in an escape room. And I don't think I've ever really thought twice about doing it. And yet you've done like five in the past like month or so and found a really creative way to tie in lessons that you learned in escape rooms to our relationships. Like how fun is that? 
Oh, it's uh, so much fun. And Ruth is just uh, kind of a funny character sometimes when she gets into something, once you kind of unseal like an interest in her, she just wants to like do it over and over and over again. And so we had just done one with a friend and then we got away for our anniversary and we did like five escape rooms in two days or we did like uh, three escape rooms in two days. But it was uh, a lot of fun. We really enjoy it. But it is kind of a pressure cooker. And uh, if you don't have good communication skills or you're not doing good with managing your emotions, then it can be a place where it can kind of grind you on each other. And so it's a kind of tests your mettle in your relationship if you're going to be able to get through there and still be friends at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be some couples therapy happening in there, right? When when you start feeling the pressure of all of that coming. Um, and I'm sure that, yeah, you really see a different side of people when you're in a, a different kind of setting like that. And and hopefully together coming to solve a problem and to work on something together and getting to the outside together. So I love that. I think that's really fun about you guys. So I'll keep cheering you on. And maybe the next time I have an opportunity to, um, to do one, I will say yes, because of you guys. So yeah, well, I love that. I want to circle back to something you shared in the very beginning, Tim, and that is really kind of having this, this heart to come alongside people when it comes to their, their negative beliefs and their past and hanging on to that and how that affects, you know, things in their present and how it affects who we're called to be, let alone how we manage our time and, you know, live our lives and things like that. So let's dive into this a little bit more. And I love, we're going to get a his and hers perspective. So just so you guys know, my audience is primarily ladies. So, Mm -hmm. but it's always fun to hear from a guy's perspective too, because, you know, sometimes there are overlaps in how we think, but sometimes there are different perspectives and things like that. So kind of why, why do we tend to have these issues around negative beliefs and, and things that have happened in the past? Um, let's, let's dive into that a little bit. What, what, how does it affect us? What does it cost us? Like, how does it have ripple effect, not just in our relationships and specifically our marriages, but also into other areas of our life? Yeah, absolutely. Before I jump too much into that, I want to start off with a little bit of uh, how my own mindset about how our past affects us kind of evolved. And I remember we were in school and we were learning about Sigmund Freud. And if you know much about him, he's a little bit of a kooky cat. He had some kind of outlandish ideas. And I remember thinking in school, I was like, what does the past really matter, especially if we can't change the past? What does it matter if we figure out like, oh, this is why I'm depressed or this is why I'm anxious if we can't solve that problem? Because I was really, the the thought process I had about counseling was much more about cognitive behavioral therapy, which is how we're thinking today, what are our actions that we're taking today, and working at shifting and kind of changing those behaviors and actions to help us better out now. But as I got more into counseling and as I spent some years, and uh, Ruth dragged me actually to a training that I was not uh, super thrilled about going to, but we went to this training and it talked more about not just how our past affects us, but how can we solve that problem of the, how the past affects us. Now, the past can affect us in a ton of different ways. And normally it comes from some type of negative experience you've gone through. It can be something that's an objectively negative experience, like a horrible car wreck where you almost die, or you're a military vet and you have uh, developed PTSD from that type of an experience. It's something that everybody would look at and be objectively like, oh, man, yeah, that's a bad event or that's a scary or uncomfortable event. Uh, or it can be something that's uh, not so uh, not so blatantly negative. It can be like maybe a careless word from a parent that hurts your feelings 
or it can be, uh, I even had a person, they were traumatized by a dream that they had had and the dream that they had had caused them to rearrange their room so that they wouldn't be near their window because the dream involved somebody coming through the window after them. So it wasn't even something they had experienced in real life. It was just a dream that was very scary and uncomfortable. And so some of these past events that we have or that we go through cause us to develop negative core beliefs or negative core values. So a war veteran who has PTSD, the negative core value or belief system that they developed is I am in danger. And even though they might know logically, I'm not in danger, I'm at home, I'm not overseas anymore, their brain still is actively searching for threats. And it causes their brain to not want to sleep or have a hard time sleeping or have a hard time relaxing because it's saying there's danger, there's danger, there's danger. Now, that's a, a more detrimental negative belief. And there's other ones that are a little bit more light, like uh, I'm not good enough or I can't handle it and something along those lines. And those can definitely affect us in pretty dramatic ways, too, even though the origin, the, the way it originated wasn't so intense. And so when we look at where does it come from? It is important to look at the memory and the belief um, or the origin of it, like the story that happened, what's the experience that you went through that caused this. But really what we're looking for is that negative belief or we call it the negative cognition because that begins to be instilled more and more over time. So say you have this belief of I'm not good enough because in third grade, you had a spelling test and you got a B and your best friend got an A. And so this feeling of I'm not good enough then begins to show up in other relationships along the way. And anytime that that happens, anytime you have another experience, it just confirms that in your mind. And it's just, it d- digs these neural pathways in your mind. And then every time that happens, it's like, oh, see, I am not good enough. Or you go out to eat and there's a shooting next to you. And you think, oh, see, I am in danger. I always am in danger. I always have to be on high alert. And so it is that that experience that we're looking for. But really underneath that, what we're looking for is what is that belief that we hear? And then that translates into negative self-talk that we hear just every day. Yeah. And I want to share you a little bit of uh, the moment when my mind really shifted from this idea of, hey, the present and the future is all that matters to understanding really how much the past affects us. Uh, So I had mentioned that Ruth had dragged me to this training to learn how to address the past. Ruth is very open to new things. I'm not nearly as open to new things. And so when she was talking about this training and wanting to go there, I'm like, I got a master's degree. I don't want to spend more money and go get more training. Like the master's degree should be good enough. But she's always interested in improving and learning more and getting more information. And so I relented and we went to this training and we're sitting there and we're learning about how to go back go back and address people's past and things like that. And one of the coolest things and one of the most powerful things that our trainer did was near the end of the first day, by the way, this is a 52-hour training. And so we're wow. gonna we're doing this training for multiple weekends in a row. And what they did at the end of the training is uh, at the end of the first day of training, is we sat down with a partner and we practiced this on each other. And we had a two-hour block to work on each other. Now, my life, my experience growing up was relatively mild, right? My parents are still married. Uh, Nothing really horrible or bad happened to me in childhood. But I did have an experience where I was bullied. 
I moved from one side of town to the another side of town and went and changed elementary schools. I think I was in like uh, fourth or fifth grade when we, I changed elementary schools. So all the kids had already kind of clicked up. And when I moved to this new school, I was unaccepted into any of the new cliques. And so not only was I not accepted, but they actively bullied and made fun of me and gave me a hard time. Now, unbeknownst to me, before this training, I didn't know that this was a problem, but I had developed a negative belief of I am unacceptable. And, you know, that's what essentially bullies are telling you. You're unacceptable. There's something wrong with you. And when I was sitting down with this other person who had never done this process before, and as a matter of fact, when he was doing this process on me, the trainer was coming around and chastising him for how bad he was doing, (laughs) right? She was on his case. And, but then at the end of the day, when he had finished the process with me, it was like this switch flipped in my brain where when I was thinking back to that timeline, I was always thinking about how um, I was unaccepted and how I was so poorly treated in school. But then getting near the end of the process, that switch happened. And then all of a sudden my brain's like, Hey, wait a minute. You were accepted by the kids in your neighborhood. You still had great friends there. You were on a swim team and they accepted you there. You didn't have any problems there. You were accepted at church and you were accepted at home. There weren't any of these kind of problems except for in this one place. And all of a sudden my mindset shifted and I was like, oh, well, that wasn't really true that I wasn't accepted. And the other crazy thing about this is I didn't think regularly about this bullying experience as an adult. This wasn't something I was aware was affecting me until I got in and fixed the issue. And then all of a sudden I was like, wow, that affected me a whole lot. And so the really cool thing about working on some of your past stuff is it it doesn't just remove the negative belief of I'm unacceptable. It actively replaces it with a positive belief of I am accepted. And even right now, even just saying that term gives me like kind of positive welling of feelings in my chest because it was such a powerful mindset moment shift that had happened in my brain. And it's not just I intellectually felt that that or believed that that was true. It's I emotionally felt that that was true. And then it changed a whole lot of things. As a matter of fact, uh, it's it became one of Ruth's favorite pastimes to kind of point out like, hey, that's different for you. Or would you have normally been like that? Like, what were some of the things you noticed different about me after I had gone through that process? Well, it's funny because a lot of things that I attributed to him being an introvert um, really was related more with this trauma and this feeling of un- not being accepted or not being um, welcomed. And so when he when we went to church and he didn't really want to talk to anyone or he just wanted to go in church, get out, go to lunch or whatever it is, and then get home. I always thought, well, it's because he's an introvert. He doesn't really want to talk to people. But when I began to start seeing him um, just change that. So before I had all the kids and I was talking to people and then he would be in the car and then he'd take all the kids and pack them up in the car. And that'd be my sign to like, okay, it's time to go. We're (laughs) ready to go. But then after this process happened, you know, over months, I began to see over and over again where I was in the car with the kids ready to go and he's still over there talking to someone or he says, hey, let's go talk to that couple. And my jaw about hit the floor because I was like, you never, you never want to talk to someone. Who are you? My husband, right? Exactly. So, I mean, it definitely changed change that um, process. And there's a couple others. I mean, there's many others that I've seen. Tell the donut one. That's one of my favorite ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he, the first, actually, this was the first sign that I noticed that he was different. So he very much so in our master's program, in counseling, 
uh, in our practice, he was very professional. I would say hyper-professional, sometimes <laughs> maybe even almost robotic. And they tell us as therapists, and they tell us as therapists to be careful of how much we share and what, you know, that connection that's about the, the client. And he was very good about that. But um, he, it, where I'm, where I'm the opposite, I will, you know, be in session and my whole process is to connect and relate to the person and, you know, share a story that might connect with them. And so then, then we went to the next train, the very next day. Um, and we brought donuts or no, someone else brought donuts. Someone brought donuts and there was no sprinkles. And one thing about Tim is he loves sprinkles with it's, donuts. It's super masculine. I know, but I, I <laughs> do my sprinkles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to have a donut, you might as well go all the way. Right. <laughs> so somebody brought donuts and there was no sprinkles. And so, um, what did you said? Oh, I said, uh, what are we too professional for sprinkles? Uh, they had like every other type of donut except for sprinkles. So you said, what are we too professional for sprinkles? And everybody laughed. And I was like, I just looked at him and I was like, this is so weird. Because before he didn't know these people. So he would never have dared to make a joke because of that belief of I'm unacceptable. If I make this joke, are they going to accept me? But that was gone. That, that, that negative belief was now gone. And so he didn't care. He made a joke. Everyone laughed. I'm like, wait, I'm the funny one, not you. <laughs> and so it changed a lot of um, our dynamics and kind of who he is. Well, I think one of the really cool things about this process too, when when you really work on the past, there there's just this anchor that's kind of holding you back, preventing you from fully uh, expressing yourself uh, and being comfortable in your own skin. And once that anchor is removed, you don't have to try to be different. It's just now you're just acting differently, but it's natural to you. And so when I say when I was saying earlier that a switch flipped, there really what that's was the process. Is like before that switch flipped, I couldn't have done those different things or I wouldn't have felt those ways. But then that switch flipped, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, I feel totally different now at this point. And so there's definitely things where uh, I'm sure your listeners are listening right now and they're probably thinking like, man, yeah, there's this thing I just can't do or this thing makes me so uncomfortable. I just can't manage this or I can't imagine like being in a group and making a joke like that. That would make me feel mortified. And again, if you're listening here and you're, you heard Ruth say I'm an introvert and you're like, oh, you don't sound at all like an introvert. You sound very extroverted. Believe me, you get me in a room of 10 to 15 people, I get a lot quieter. But right now it's just the three of us, even though there's going to be people listening on the outside later. Later, but I am actually quite introverted. So a part of the, a part of that shift or that change uh, happens, and it allows me to be more comfortable and less concerned about what's happening. Versus before, I would normally worry about it, and then I just didn't worry, and then I would just make a statement or do something, and then it would feel like this is just normal Tim, even though it wasn't normal Tim just before that had happened. Yeah. Cause you didn't know the difference, right? It's like, you didn't know what life was like on the outside of that escape room because all you could see was what were the four walls that you were stuck inside. I find it really interesting. Oh. I'm not a therapist, but here I am sitting listening to two therapists. Right. And it's really interesting to me that sometimes this, it, it so, sounds to me, tell me if this is correct summary, something happens at some point in time and we have a reaction to it. Right. But what I'm hearing you say is some people keep thinking over and over consciously about that thing. And so that thought is always with them. And some of us, that thing happened and we may not think we're thinking about it, but it is still kind of affecting a lot of things. It's it's laid some kind of a, like you said, a neural pathway or a foundation 
upon which we're now building our next thoughts and beliefs and feelings, which then lead to our actions and things like that. Um, and so it's interesting that it can kind of be like, I am thinking this on repeat versus I don't even realize I'm thinking about this. Like you said, you hadn't thought about it in years, but it was affecting so many things for you. Oh, for sure. Actually, when we were trying to find memories to work on, I, I had to kind of dig deep to find that bullying memory or that bullying experience. But whether you're thinking about it regularly or not, if when you do think about that memory, it does make you feel like uncomfortable, embarrassed, angry, what that, <clears throat> excuse me, what that's telling you is that that memory has reprogrammed your brain in some way, shape or form. Because there are definitely memories where you have where you're like intellectually, you understand that's a bad memory. But when you think about it, it doesn't really bother you. That memory hasn't really programmed your brain in any kind of way. But if it still has some negative emotion attachment to it, whether it's a year later, five years later, 15 years later, then that means that that brain, then that, that memory has negatively affected your brain in some way. And there's a negative belief attached to it. That is kind of that anchor that's holding you back and not really allowing you to be your kind of true authentic self. You know, it's so interesting because like the beliefs is something that I, I, I didn't go to that at first when I was working on myself, right? I wanted to go to, give me the tools, give me the techniques, tell me the, the A, B, and Cs, or the, give me the checklist. And what I found is that I can have great tools in my hand to, to do whatever it is, particularly time management, right? And what I do now, but anything, but if I've got this wrong mindset and belief system, those tools are going to be pretty ineffective. Um, because I'm going to be limited in my understanding or limited in being able to see, you know, what's really happening or to be able to, to even see what God says about something, um, versus just how I'm feeling or what other people have told me something means. So how do we start then changing these things? Um, you know, I mean, obviously there are definitely a lot of times when we do need to sit down with people like you guys, you know, directly, but sometimes, you know, maybe if we're catching a thought, or we're reacting to something in a certain way, how can we kind of maybe, you know, start noticing that more and start like working towards what we can do with that. So we don't stay stuck with wherever that negative belief or thought is, is keeping us. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and before we answer that, I want to just speak to kind of what you said about sometimes we can cognitively know. So as children of of God as a daughter of a king, right? I know, I know my identity is Christ. I it is in Christ. I know what he says in his word. So I can cognitively know that, but I don't feel it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's what that lack of translation then allows us to not live out mm -hmm. what his calling is for us. Right. And so, um, one of the things that I would say is to ask yourself, what do I believe about my identity that's not true? So we just talked about all these experiences that we experience, but really it's underneath. What is that belief? Like the I'm in danger, I'm not good enough. Um, I'm not in control. I'm helpless. All these things cause us to feel um, a certain way and act in those those beliefs rather than of what the truth God says. And if we truly want to magnify Christ in all that we do, we need to make sure that our identity aligns with that. And so I think a lot of times we can, as Christians, begin to say, oh, you know, I, I know I'm a child of God. I know that I'm chosen. I know that, you know, all these lists of things. But then, and we say, you know, God's the creator and he's such a 
great God and he's so patient and kind and giving. And then we turn around and say, oh, but I'm not good enough and I'm so stupid and I can't succeed. But you just talked about how the creator is the creator. And then you're now talking about his creation, which is you and how he made a mistake on that creation. And so it just doesn't align. So it truly is so important to then really take care of these things and align it um, with who God says we are. Go ahead. And I think to your question, to answer that, like, what are some things that we can do? And the first is obviously noticing that we have some type of negative belief system that is holding us back. And then uh, like an easy thing that you can do to find negative belief system is you can uh, just Google search. It's called negative cognitions or negative cognition list. And uh, there'll be a couple of pages that pop up. There should be three or four pages that pop up uh, within the first couple of Google searches. Uh, that should just come up with just a sheet of positive and negative beliefs. And if you read through those negative beliefs and one kind of jumps out and grabs you, and you're like, ooh, that hurts. Now, some of you may read the list and you may be like, oh, almost all of those hurt. Right? Right? That, that, is, that definitely is a possibility. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. all of these. Um, and w- everyone that you read and it kind of grabs you and it speaks to you and it hurts and it's uncomfortable when you read that, that's some type of negative belief that you're struggling with. And so once you're aware that you have that negative belief, then what you can do is you can start actively combating that negative belief. So if your negative belief is like, I'm unacceptable, like mine was, and you're aware that that's what it is, then trying to filter through when you're going through your day, when is that negative belief jumping out? When is that kind of getting triggered or when is it kind of biting onto me? And then what you do after that is then you can just challenge that negative belief and say, you know what? That's not true though. I am accepted. Here's places where I am accepted. And so we call these positive affirmations. So you can work at giving yourself positive affirmations. Now this takes time and effort and you may have to challenge a negative cognition or negative belief like hundreds of times in a day. And it can almost feel like nauseating sometimes how, how much you have to challenge it. But the longer you let it just kind of free range in your brain, that negative belief, the stronger it gets. You're like feeding that negative belief and it's getting worse and worse. Versus if you, every time it comes up, you do a thought stopping technique and you're like, that's not me. This is actually me. Yeah. Yeah, And this is very different than kind of the name it and claim it or, you know, speaking positive affirmations over your day, which I think there's certainly a place for that. And there's um, good fruit that can come from that. But this is separate from that. It's not a saying, I am so successful and I am powerful and I'm going to, but it's like Tim said, finding areas in our life where, you know what, this isn't truth. And it combats that and finding areas in or finding verses in his word that says this is the truth. And so if you can find other areas like Tim did, he was zeroed in on this bullying experience. So when he thought of fourth to fifth grade, that's what he kind of zeroed in on and the the camera lens was there. But after going through the process and really figuring this out, it kind of zoomed out. And he could see that bigger picture of, you know what? I was accepted on this swim team. I had friends here. And so that's what we're talking about is finding the truth throughout the day, whether it's through the word and through the Bible, whether it's what other people are saying about you and people that we trust, right? Because we want to make sure that we're wise in who we seek counsel from, um, or even just different experiences that we have. But being able to ask ourselves that question about what do I believe about my identity that's not true, and then find that those triggers, like Tim said, and then find what the truth is and begin to do that and speak that over yourself. Yeah, actually, 
And even right now, I'm sure just what Ruth said, I'm sure some of the listeners are going to be like, well, when people say that I'm this good thing, Mm -hmm. I don't believe them. And that's something you also have to challenge. Say, no, 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 they are not a liar. I'm going to choose to believe what they have just said. Mm -hmm. And so even then you have to thought stop in that moment in order to be able to um, get the benefit of the positive affirmations you're getting from other people and then also from yourself. And even take it a step further and saying, what does God say about me? Right. It may be hard for me to believe what another person says, but when we go back to what is, what does God say about me? Right. There's, there's a different level of not only authority, like you said, because he is the creator, you know, but there's where my true identity lies. And then from there, now I can start to see this, these things affirmed in the people that are around me and like, oh, okay. So they're seeing these things in me that God's already said are true. So it might make it a little bit easier to do that. I Ruth, I love that you said this is not just like the name it and claim it because I literally have notebooks and I might have thrown them away by now because I was like, I can't believe I did this. Uh, I was told, right, like write that mantra. And if you do it for like a whole page or like 50 times every day, like it was going to, to create this new pathway in your brain. And I can't tell you how much time I wasted writing whatever that dumb phrase was that I was working on for however many months. And I didn't believe it anymore at the end of every page that I wrote. My hand was tired. I wasted a lot of ink and time, but I didn't really change anything because like what, what you guys are saying is I didn't get down to the root of where is this coming from and, mm-hmm. and how it's rooted in something not true. And then intentionally plucking that up and then planting in God's truth and letting that be then what what uh, guides my my thoughts, my beliefs, my feelings, actions, things like that. Oh, absolutely. And I think that um, when we begin to really, like you said, look to God as what is that authority and what does he say about me, right? Looking at whether it's through the Bible, um, but really what this process does that we're talking about is it quiets the voices around you that we no longer need or want to hear, right? Those voices from when we were five years old and they said, you're so ugly or you're so dumb, you know? It really helps to quiet that because there are four voices that you can listen to. You can listen to yourself, which a lot of us are really, really cruel to ourselves. And we're really not, there's not a lot of truth there. You can listen to the people around you and there might be some truth there, but then you have the other, the other camp of people who are saying you're not good enough. And then you have the enemy and then you can listen to God's voice. And so what you really need to do is quiet the voices all around you so that you can hear his voice and that you can um, know what the truth is about your identity. And so when we talk about this process, I think that it is important to figure out what is it that I believe, right, about my identity? Where are the triggers that lies? What is the truth, right? Take your caps, your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. But then after that, and that's where we come in is then if you are still stuck, because we don't want to be just the type of people that say, you know, go and pray about it and don't have the help to get you past that stuck stuck area. Um, But when you get to that point and you're like, I just cannot, it's that same idea of I can have someone on the couch all day long and tell them you are worthy, you are loved, you are this, but they don't feel it. And then they can't live it out like we were talking about in the beginning. But when that happens, that's when you need to then maybe look at the past and maybe think, are there areas that I need to kind of uproot or areas that I need to address? And like Tim said, 
it's oftentimes things that we don't even recognize. I've seen a lot of people who even with sexual abuse, even with, you know, things that we think are big T traumas that we're like, that has to affect you. They have come to a place where they're like, no, it doesn't bother me, but they also haven't done work on it. And so it's, it's then taking a look at that and saying, well, maybe it is really bothering you, but you don't know, or this could be the way you're coping with it. Right. Um, and so I think that then is the next step is that if those other steps don't work to really get the help that you need to be able to walk through a healing process. Absolutely. Actually, it's something that I tell my clients all the time after we have worked through uh, some stuff and they've really made good progress. And they're like, man, I did not know like how much that was bothering me. And I kind of tease them a little bit. And I say like, yeah, you had to come to a therapist, to find out how messed up you really were. Because uh, right. the thing is, a lot of people are walking around and they think that they're fine. They don't re recognize how much damage they may actually have. But the problem is that they are assessing how much damage they have, considering themselves to be the normal or the average. Mm -hmm. And then they may not be, they may be walking around with a massive amount of damage, but they're just used to it at that point. And they're just, they've learned to be comfortable walking around essentially with like a broken leg, but life could be so much easier and so much more fluid if they got that leg set and, uh, and cast it up and then healed in the appropriate way. Same thing with those traumas, same thing with those negative core beliefs. Like, so what you were saying earlier is, you know, you were writing down those affirmations and it kind of didn't do it for you. And sometimes that can work, but I would say that works for more like mild negative beliefs. But if it's more of like a medium or intense negative belief, then it's much less likely to take effect. And the reason why is because these negative beliefs, they are held into our brain, not by logic, but by emotion. And the stronger the emotional attachment is to that, the less likely you're going to be able to get rid of that negative belief through conventional means. So interesting how the brain works, right? And it holds on to those things, even when we're not fully aware. And, I, you know, so interesting, it becomes, like you said, our new normal. And we just think this is just how life is. And this is, you know, we don't even realize what's on the other side. So let's kind of look at the other side, right? Whether it be from your own experience or working with, you know, with clients or just kind of in general, like when people do start seeing change where they're, they are able to identify these negative past things are holding them back or these negative beliefs or negative thoughts and get those roots out. How do things shift for them? What does that start allowing them to do that maybe they weren't able to before? So one of the things that is really interesting, I always like to tell people you have an emotional container for your day. And it's when bad things happen, that container fills up a little bit. And once it gets to the top, uh, in polite, uh, counseling terms, we'd say you decompensate. Uh, mm -hmm. In uh, more common vernacular, we'd say you lose it. <laughs> right. right, And so you can't hold on to it anymore because it's now become overwhelming. And when you go through this process and you're kind of excavating out these negative core values and belief systems, it allows you to hold more stress or more difficulty throughout the day. So that's a general thing that normally happens with every type of negative belief that you work on. But then in general, uh, like how does, when I work on this memory, what are specific benefits that I can get? It, it can range wildly, the benefits that you get. Um, I had a lady who had agoraphobia, which is a disorder where it's very hard for her to go out of the house. She gets extremely anxious leaving the house. Agoraphobia gone. She could go out of the house, zero problem after it was finished or solved. Somebody had a horrible car accident, almost died, couldn't drive after that. All of a sudden could drive like it was no big deal anymore. 
um, or just something as simple as like with, with you scheduling, keeping to schedule uh, organization, that kind of thing. I just can't find it in me to do it for some reason. I can never just make myself do these things. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I could do it and it's not a problem at all. Yeah. And I can speak to that last one um, because I know that you always talk about it's not a disordered schedule. It's a disordered heart. And I think that's so true. And it's funny because we have these tools. We have this tools and I w- rave about this process and making sure that you are are doing it. And I've seen so much results from my clients. But then a lot of times I don't slow down enough to make sure that I am doing that same process. And so recently in the last several months, um, just to be totally transparent, I've, I haven't dealt with anxiety really very much. I've had, you know, different stints, but in the last couple of months, there was probably a two week period where every single day I just felt this overwhelming anxiety. And I, I really felt that, you know, everyone says I feel overwhelmed. And a lot of it was because I was so busy and I didn't have that margin in my day and I kept packing things on. And then I just, um, got to that point where what Tim's talking about is that window of tolerance. I didn't have any room left and your window was shattered. (laughs) It was. And so, you know, I met up with some good friends and excuse me, we did some homeschool um, that day. And I, they just asked, you know, it's that question, Hey, how are you? And I just started crying and I was like, I'm fine. And clearly I was not. And it got to the point where Tim was watching this over the period of two weeks and he could see it. And he kept saying like, Hey, we need to sit down and we need to go through this and we need to talk about it and figure out where it's from. And I'm like, okay, okay. After this, you know, when I have time, but it is that negative belief. And so anyway, that night he came home and he saw my puffy eyes and he he's like, all right, let's do this now. You cannot run anymore. Right. Gotcha. So we did. We sat down and um, we went through the process and immediately that anxiety lifted. And throughout the rest of the time, I could see just a difference in my time management, my ability to um, kind of defeat that overwhelm. I still had anxiety just when I would think about certain things, but really I could get back to focus and think, okay, this is it. And this is a therapist talking, right? I I know the process. I know it, but I never slowed down enough over this two weeks to, to get it done for myself. But it is that idea of slowing down to speed up. And Tim, I'm sure the whole time was watching was like, I know I can help you, <laughs> you know, and I was kind of pushing it off. And <clears throat> this isn't to say like, we know that at any moment God can heal someone. We know that any moment God can come and say, okay, you're struggling with this belief, this is the truth. And he can take, you know, the hurt from past traumas away. But this process, I also believe that this process has ha- also really helped us to, it's changed our lives personally. It's changed our clients' lives. Um, I do want to share one or have Tim share one quick story about the fear of bees that's happened, even in our, how it's changed <laughs> our, at that time, he was probably six years old, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Um, son's life. So um, here's another story of uh, the miracle. By the way, uh, I don't think we've said the name of the process yet so far. The name of the process is EMDR. Some of your listeners may be aware of it. Some of them may not be. It's something that's been around since the 80s. And the only reason I can imagine that this is not the number one therapy in the world is that it is not what you expect. <laughs> when you go into your therapist's office, going through EMDR is 
not what you stereotypically think about when you're sitting on the couch and you're talking about your problems and your therapist is giving you advice. You're really working at not just learning how to deal with it, but what you're learn what you're going through is reprogramming your brain so that it's not affected by these negative experiences or beliefs anymore. So uh, another experience we went through, and this is a little bit more in the danger zone. Um, we were uh, looking at houses and uh, our realtor was taking us around and the kids were in tow and were running all over the place, looking at all these places. And uh, we're walking down this one place and they had this kind of long wood staircase. Uh, it was just these, um, is these railroad track, uh, like the giant wood planks that go under the railroad tracks, right? And that was what they used to make the steps. Well, uh, apparently a uh, nest of hornets had made their way into one of those. And so my son, he was a, a couple yards ahead of us. And um, all of a sudden we see him just like waving his arms around. And we think like, is he like throwing a fit over here? Like what's happening? And then Ruth, I think, saw that all of a sudden there, she saw these little bugs all over the place flying. And then she's like, damn, it's bees. And I run over there and I run and I grab him and then I they start biting and stinging me and I pick him up and I run like a hundred yards and then they start stinging me again and biting him again so I pick him back up and I'm running some more and now it really was like a movie because actually I think you probably noticed it first because I didn't know what was happening and all I saw was Tim jet down he slipped and fell got up picked picked our son up and started running and it was just like the movies where you see that big swarm of bees following them and then he put them down same thing that big swarm of bees and he even got in the car and he tried to shut the door and yeah i'm probably 2 or 300 yards away from the hornet's nest at this point and yeah i got a got him in the car there i had to swipe a, a wasp out of there and then close the door and then they were even like hitting the window i even put the car in gear and started driving a little bit i mean these things were aggressive <laughs> yes. uh-huh. and they weren't bees they were hornets yeah and uh and so you know obviously uh that was uh, traumatizing to our son and so he would get very nervous whenever he would see bees or wasps or anything like that. Or if we would talk about going to see a house, he would say, can we not look at any houses by the lake? Or can we not look at, you know, houses with the hornets in it? Yeah. And so when we have these negative beliefs, it diffuses. It normally isn't isolated to this one thing. So it wasn't just about bees or hornets, but it was bees, hornets, like a house by the lake looking at houses with a realtor like anything that was connected with that day was associated in his brain as a trauma point right if i go to look at another house with a realtor i'm going to get stung again even though that's like the realtor's it wasn't the realtor's fault he got stung it was just the realtor happened to be a part of the scene when he got stung and so when uh, I think we were in our backyard and there's just some like honeybees flying around, you know, honeybees are not nearly as aggressive as wasps. And he's just like, I'm not going out there. And like, he was super uncomfortable. And so we sat him down one day and we did this process on him. We took him through this EMDR process and, you know, we probably worked with him for 30 minutes to an hour or something along those lines. And then it was so funny, um, me and him, we were walking out in the backyard and, you know, you can hear the low uh, hum of the bees and then he walks up to one of the trees that the bees are kind of humming on and he just kind of skips and he kicks his leg back and he bumps the uh, trunk of the tree a little bit and he says hi bees and then he just kind of walks away like zero problem all of a sudden after that and like it's so crazy because we do this process all the time but it's still like mind-boggling when you like see it in action like that where you're just like 
he was literally just terrified just like an hour ago. And now he's like willing to risk kicking the trunk of the tree with the bees on it and then just skip along. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, talk about like being free to like, you know, like you said, to be really who you are instead of being trapped inside and also then be able to step into who God has called you to be, which is really what this is all about, right? Like it's about, you know, us not being held back by the lies of the enemy or the lies that we tell ourselves and, um, you know, and, and keeping us ineffective, but, and us being able to step into, like you said, our identity in him, and then let that guide our thoughts, our beliefs, our feelings, our actions, and then the fruit that we're bearing for the kingdom. So, so powerful. I love this. And I, I know we could talk all day long. You could probably tell all kinds of stories between the two of you with, about all the different things that are happening. But I want to make sure as we wrap things up today um, to let people know where they can find you. Because like you said, there definitely is such value in having people who are trained uh, professionals to be able to help with these types of things. This is not a, you know, go home and do this on yourself type of uh, type of thing. So first of all, tell us about your podcast, because people, I want people to be able to listen to that just like I do. And then what else you guys are offering right now to help people um, start working with, you know, working through, right, uprooting these negative beliefs and, uh, and, and things that have been holding them back. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, to speak real quick to what you're saying, it is truly about like living our life. Because if you to honor God, because if you are emotionally wounded, you're not going to fulfill God's calling and his purpose the way that we should. And you're not going to even engage with people who are also God's children and, you know, share the truth of what you should if you are emotionally wounded. And so this absolutely is all part of like healing this so that you can live out fully God's purpose and what he's called you to, What whatever that is, you know, whether it is being um, a time management coach, whether that is being a stay-at-home mom, whether that's being a CEO, all of these things, you can't live fully um, and you can't fully engage of it with it if you're emotionally wounded. Um, and so you can find us at Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And on there, if you click on our show notes, there's a link to our Facebook group. Um, and then we have our coaching program. And it's funny that you said, you know, this isn't something necessarily that you just do at home, but that's actually in the works. We are working on a program where it is going to be a self-guided EMDR process where you can purchase the program and that'll allow you to work on these things at home because it is hard, you know, to find a therapist that you click with and that you trust. Um, But also some of these things are really hard to talk about. And so we're creating a program to be able to walk through these, this process at home. Yeah. Also, if you'd like, you can uh, email us at at podcast at mrandmrstherapy.com. Okay, perfect. Good. Because I know there are people who are listening who want to reach out to you or, you know, those of you listening, who do you know that would benefit from hearing a conversation like this to not only be able to recognize that there's something that needs, you know, some fixing and some help with, but that there is hope on the other side and that we don't have to stay stuck uh, in this place where these negative thoughts and beliefs and uh, past experiences can sometimes keep us trapped. So I'm going to encourage you, reach out to Tim and Ruth. You know, I think it's so key when you find other people who are also faith-centered, right? And, and in, in a real way, not just saying I'm a Christian counselor, but like really that being what informs how they look at at the world and and how they approach things. And so that that speaks a lot to it as well. So we'll make sure to link that stuff in the show notes. Um, and before we go, I just thought it'd be really fun to kind of ask you guys this off-the-cuff questions you each get to answer separately 
Okay. Because so many of us would love to change things about our time. So if I had a bippity boppity boo little wand here right now, and I could grant you one wish uh, about your time, what would, what would that be? That is a good question. Uh, I think one thing that I would wish for if I could just have anything with time is just to be able to have a little bit more alone time. I like that. That's one of my favorite things, but it's also not always a practical thing, right? We have five kids and I got a wife, <laughs> right? And so I have to make sure I take care of them as well. But yeah, so like for me, it's always like, because I'm an introvert, I always uh, like and enjoy and could use more downtime. For yeah. sure. Um, for me, it would be margin, just making sure. And that is self-discipline. It's me creating margin in my day and not overstacking things because I'm an extrovert and I like to be out there and stack our calendars. But that's when I'm, you know, the wildest mom. That's when I'm, you know, not my best is when I'm yelling at the kids to get in the car. We got to go to church. We got to, you know, and so I need that margin. And that's what I would wish for. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, good thing. Both of those things are things that AI can help with and you can choose to do with your time. And um, it does, it has a ripple effect when we're either getting that downtime or we have that margin and everything's not so crammed together. There's something in that space, that sela, right, of us just being able to take a deep breath and then we can fill up and pour back out in the way that God has called us to. So thank you guys for pouring into us today. I really appreciate you, Tim and Ruth, and look forward to hearing the ripple effect that this episode has as people listen. So thanks so much. Thank yeah. you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. See, I told you we'd do some deep work, but hopefully it was worth it. Because if you keep believing what you're believing and thinking what you're thinking, you'll keep experiencing what you're experiencing with no idea what life or business is like on the outside. That's why I love bringing on experts who can help you with things like this. Thank you, Tim and Ruth. I bet you took a lot of notes as well as laughed a lot. One thing that stood out to me was the need to pay attention to which voice I'm listening to. Is it my own, others, the enemies, or God's? What stood out to you? We'd love to hear, in fact, Here's today's community question. What is one step you'll take to start taking every thought captive? We invite you to come share inside the Redeem Her Time community, where I've invited Ruth, sorry Tim, ladies only, to come join us and continue the conversation. If it's your first time, you can find us at redeemhertime.com forward slash community. And while you're there, I invite you to grab the steer belief map I posted to start taking your thoughts captive to Christ. Speaking of which, let's take this to him. Lord, thank you that you see us and know us. You know our thoughts from afar, and you knew all of our days before even one of them came to be. Help us to trust you with the difficulties in life, in both the past and the present, and to trust you with our future. And when we have thoughts that are not of you or are not true, and are keeping us from being and doing what you've created us to be, prompt us to take that thought captive and take it to your truth to replace it with what you say about us. And thank you for amazing professionals with big hearts like Tim and Ruth, who are willing to help others do the deep work. Give us the wisdom and faith to know when and how to reach out for help. And Lord, may all we say, think, and do be for your glory to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, friend, we'll see you over inside the Redeem Her Time community where we'll talk more about this. 
Thanks for joining me for this episode. And until next time, remember, instead of chasing time on a clock, trying to control it, receive the gift of time from the one who truly holds it. Because as his daughter, you have time. Hey, before you go, I pray this episode blessed you, challenged you, and moved you to take action. So what was the one thing God showed you today? I'd love to hear. So would you take a minute to leave a review on Apple Podcasts? It makes my heart smile, and that way I know you're liking the show. And it helps other busy Christian women, just like you, find real-life answers too. Speaking of which, grab the link and share this with someone you know that's been praying for a breakthrough. And don't forget to come join the after party inside the Redeem Her Time community. We're not just about knowing, we're about doing, together. Head on over to redeemhertime.com to join the community, leave a question to be featured on the podcast, schedule a free 15-minute strategy session, or all the above. Of course, I'll drop the link in the show notes because I know you're a busy girl. Look carefully then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. I'll see you in a few days, friend. God bless.